Blog Talk Radio. At first I was afraid, I was petrified, kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong, and I grew strong, and I learned how to get along and so you I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and I want to welcome you all to the show tonight. Because of all of you all, this show is heard in over 200 countries, and we have over 200,000-plus listeners with this show and all the podcasts that it is broadcast on after the live show. 
And as I say at the beginning of every show, and I know y'all probably get sick of it, but too bad. It's not my show, ladies and gentlemen. It is your show. It is you, the guest. It is you, the listener. And the reason we call it Off the Chain is because we talk about any and everything, from books to music to art to platforms to politics to religion to passions and even, yes, the topic that we will be discussing tonight. Now, there's two ways to get on this show. One, you can contact me here at Off the Chain Radio at Yahoo.com and come on as a guest. Or you can contact me at Off the Chain Radio at Yahoo.com and become a sponsor for the show. That is, place an ad. I will run your ad for 30 days, and no, I'm not in it to get rich. That is not my intent. My intent is to get you heard in over 200 countries. If you contact me and want to run an ad, let me know. You can either send it down as written form and I will read it, or you can send it as MP3 form, and no matter how many shows I run in those 30 days, I will run your ad. If for some reason I have to reschedule a show, as most of you know, there's been a huge upheaval in my life. I lost my husband last week, and I am still taking care of the things that I have to take care of. And I ha- if I have to reschedule a show, I will... The ad goes with this show, so you are not going to lose anything. With that being said, I want to start the show off with a couple of ads from our sponsors that have been with me for a while and a couple of new sponsors. Most of you know Diane Moat and Australia, thank you. Y'all made her number one in your country, and I am grateful for that. She writes a series. It's called the Sam Holden Series, and she is our favorite vigilante. She has the third book in the series out, and it's called Dog Bones. Sam's quest to avenge abused animals is threatened when the FBI comes after her on one side and the commissioner wants her dead on the other side. Will her double life be exposed? Will she be able to protect the animals, her friends, and herself? Check out Dog Bones by Diane Mode everywhere ebooks are sold. And if you haven't started the series yet, ladies and gentlemen, if you will go on Amazon, you can begin with the first book in the series, Dog Gone for Free. That's Diane Mode on Amazon. Um, Howard Levine, he has a new book out. It's called Last Gasp. This sounds like a very interesting book. Fred Tudici's niece is dead, and she's one of the thousands of victims of a terrorist attack which has been laid at the feet of Islamic radicals by a right-wing U.S. government. Frank, based on a chance encounter, is one of the very few people who question the government's explanation. He's a Vietnam veteran who wants nothing more than to live... Without further controversy or conflict, can he and his grieving brother Rob, a detective with the NIPD, obtain the necessary evidence to uncover the truth in the face of scorn and incredibility? Can they overcome their long-term estrangement to work together, given that they are putting their lives in danger? And last gasp, a novel that resonates with today's politics, the answers to these questions unfold in a way that mingles personal and societal issues and intertwines the past and present while moving relentlessly forward. Now, Amy Lyle's been on this show. Y'all might have heard her. This woman is absolutely fall-down funny. She's a comedian and an actor, and she lives in my home state of Georgia, specifically in Atlanta. She has a unique outlook on life. Um, Many people hide their failures. Amy just doesn't wear them like a suit of armor. She wrote a book about it. It's called The Book of Failures. The book opens with, I have been married for 20 years, not to the same people, but 20 years nonetheless. 
The book talks about relationships, how hard it is to blend a family, and just funny failures of everyday life. The reason it's been a bestseller for over years is because it is so relatable. Everybody needs more laughter in their lives. Buy it for yourself or a friend or even somebody you don't like a whole lot that is going through a hard time. The Book of Failures is available at some Barnes & Noble stores and on Amazon as a paperback, ebook, or if you're into audiobooks, there's an audio version as well. The Book of Failures by Amy Lyle on Amazon. Now, if you're into audiobooks and you love listening to them, you can adopt and don't shop for your next audiobook favorite. The Adopt and Audiobook program has new releases and audiobooks for every genre. All audiobooks are free to interested reviewers, and that is a caveat. You have to be willing to write a review once you've listened to the book. Simply listen and share your thoughts at audiobookwormpromotions.com forward slash adopt an audiobook. Jay Traveler Pelton has also been on this show. This woman is absolutely amazing. Well, she has a special offer going on her website just for you all getting ready for the silly season. She is offering postpaid sets of her trilogies for $25 a set, autographed any way you like. So if you're going to give it to a brother, sister, friend, aunt, uncle, she will autograph it any way that you wish. She takes PayPal and will ship the sets out the next working day. Go to her website, travelerpelton.com, for all the details. Terrorist Traders and Spies is the latest book in the Oberlin series by Traveler Pelton. The middle generations of the Oberlins carry on the legacy of their father, Noah, by setting up a network of scientists, spies, and informants all over the globe. This book spans the generations from 1910 to 1975, a time of change and growth. The family tries to stay out of the feud between Edison and Telsa while beginning to investigate an elusive enemy network that grows into an underground jungle which will plague them for generations. They survive two world wars, the Korean conflict and the Vietnam War, in spite of attacks on them personally from the enemy and their own government. Will the legacy of the Lenape negotiators carry the family through discrimination, hatred, and treason? Will there be another seven generations of the people to carry on, or will they follow their ancestors into total oblivion? Join the high-energy Oberlin family and yet another of Traveler's Tales of Intrigue, Technology, and History, Terrorists, Traders, and Spies, available now on Amazon at Books a Million as an e-book or a paper book. Or if you just want to, go to TravelerPelton.com, her website, for a special offer just perfect for the holiday gift season. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I told you tonight's show is a special show. I've just been bowled over by some of the um, discussions, excuse me, discussions that my guest and I were having before we went live. I just almost fell out in the floor. But my guest is abuse prevention advocate Susan Sophie Berker. She is dedicated to being a sexual abuse prevention advocate. Susan has arrived at embracing the mission to educate others as she can about sexual abuse. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is real and it lives among us. She's had an extensive background as a licensed clinical social worker in Pennsylvania where she was in private practice for over 20 years. Susan is also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and through individual and group therapy, she is now leading a happier and more fulfilling, productive life. 
Susan knows that healing for victims forward slash survivors of sexual abuse is possible. Many years and experiences have made her an expert in the field of sexual abuse. Prior to her counseling practice, she was a social worker for children and youth services in Media, Pennsylvania, where she counseled youth and their families, including children and teenagers, who had been emotionally, physically, and or sexually abused. Her private practice provided individual, couple, and group therapy. In addition to all of this, to to extensive training and experience in the treatment of child victims and adult survivors of sexual abuse, her expertise includes counseling men and women who are experiencing any traumatic life event. And practice as a life coach since moving to Sarasota, Florida, she has helped sexual abuse victims and those experiencing trauma become not only survivors but also thrivers who go on to live fuller, happier lives. One of the missions in Susan's life is to help those who are hurting and confused to heal and move on with their lives, and she does it with a heart full of joy. Her other mission and life's purpose is to provide education about sexual abuse to as many people as she can because education is the most important step on the journey toward prevention. She encourages everyone to get educated and help others so they too can be a sexual abuse prevention advocate. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much. Wow, you have your hands full, my friend. <laughs> I love to I love I love helping people. It's it's a real joy. Well, let's let's talk a little bit if if you are willing about your history. What got you here and the fact that not only did you survive and thrive, but now you have taken those horrible life's experiences and turn them into a positive in order to help others to understand that those moments in our lives are just defining moments. They don't always define who we are or who we become. Absolutely. So how did you, how were you able to overcome that life-shattering, earth-shattering, traumatic experience that made you this wonderful, beautiful human being that you are that is so willing to share and to help prevent others from becoming victims or once they are victims to learn how to survive and thrive? I had a a series of uh, incredible people in my life who uh, who loved me through it, who helped me and supported me. And, and now it's my turn to do that and and i and i so love it um my i i i just love that i could write this book and and that and through this book people would get educated so this can be prevented right now we have the with the me too movement it kind of took the the uh the covering off of the pervasiveness of sexual abuse and now it's coming out and we can um, do something about it. People are coming forward. So we just had the Me Too movement. We're still having the Me Too movement. And my dream and my certainty is that uh, with, it, with this new generation and with 
uh, in 30 years at the most, this won't be a Me Too movement anymore. It'll be a Not Me movement. Not me anymore. We can turn this around, but we need to have um, a, an open mind uh, that this does go on and and um, be willing uh, to help other people recognize it and to be a, and to educate. Would it be fair to say that? Before you, well, let me back up. Before you and I went live, we talked about that sexual abuse has been going on probably since the beginning of time. We know the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire were were notorious for their their sexual abuse and sexual trafficking, and it became such a mindset that people not only turned a blind eye to it, they encouraged it either by complacency or their actions. So how do we begin this new journey? How do we get people to understand, A, it's no longer hidden behind a closed door anymore, and B, that in in treating our children that way, we are destroying the most precious commodity the most precious jewel, the most precious future that we have because of our own self-centeredness. How do we teach people before it happens how to prevent it, and once it's happened, how to be open about it so that it it doesn't get hidden again? It's very important uh, for all I uh, hold awareness classes around this particular issue, uh, as well as sex trafficking, so that people are aware. And when people start getting aware, you know, I talk to them about, you know, are, you, are your children just, um, are, are, are they uh, very vulnerable to uh, sex trafficking? Are they vulnerable to be, being sexually abused? Um, and, and I have groups, and, and I go around and I talk to everybody, and, and and we have kind of a grassroots down here where I have a group of people and myself, and it's getting bigger, and we just talk about it. <clears throat> we just bring, we, we're not going to let it silence us. It's just going to come right out in the open. So we do a lot of that. We advocate that the children um, are are educate have these kind of classes in school about sexual abuse prevention. So there's a lot all of us can do individually by just talking about it and and being aware of it and helping others to see that too. So let's say I'm a I'm a 5-year-old child and I go to somebody I think I trust, let's say a teacher. And in my 5-year-old language I explained to this teacher that I'm afraid to go home, that there are certain things going on in the home that my little mind doesn't understand, but it doesn't feel right. A teacher is a what they call a mandatory, a manda- mandated reporter. There's uh, some occupations, daycare people, teachers, um, people who are uh, working with social workers, 
uh, they are a mandated reporter. They don't have to know for sure what's going on, but they're mandated to report it to the child welfare agency in their uh, county or their state. They're 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 mandated to talk about it. When a child um, tells about sexual abuse, it's extremely important that the person who is hearing the disclosure. Um, comforts the child and believes the child. This is extremely important. Damage can be done so much if uh, the person they're telling says, oh, I don't believe that happened. Well, nothing like that happens in our family. I don't want you to tell anybody about it. Um, that child then ends up having to be silent and um, live with that, and, and the effect is just much, much more difficult. Does would it be fair to say that that child has feelings of guilt that somehow all of this was their fault, and they carry that with them to adulthood, which creates a whole new set of issues? Uh, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of guilt and shame. We're, yes, children, we feel uh, all the bad stuff that happens in our life are, is caused by us. It's very common when um, a child, a child's parents get divorced. Uh, that child thinks they caused it by being bad, and that's very common. And that's one of the important things um, to tell a child too: this isn't your fault. You didn't make it happen. Uh, and it's um, very important to realize that they do have the guilt and shame, and people do grow up with this guilt and shame about it. They they forever feel feel badly about it until they do start um, bringing it out in the open and getting help for it. And then gradually, as a older person, you know they have a lot of a sympathy for that child. And, and tell that child within them, it was never your fault. You didn't cause it. There's no way you can make somebody do that to you. All right. Let's take it one step further. Before we went live, you and I were discussing that the, the trafficking of children. And I about fell out on the floor, and you told me that Sarasota was one of the biggest child trafficking areas in the country. I, Sarasota, of all places, it's a sleepy little fishing village. But when, let's say, or would it be fair to say that children who are runaways, could some of them be the product of sexual abuse and become, not problem children, but let's just say disciplined children and hard-to-handle children, and they run away because they are trying to run away from themselves, the the problem at hand, and then they get on the street, and the problem is exacerbated by even more adults. Uh, this is um, very true. Um, in the majority of cases, children that run away from home are running away from a sexual abuse situation. Um, the um, most common child that sex trafficked, for instance, that they pick up off the street, the uh, sexual abuse started when they were two to four years old. So that child is, is running away um, from sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and they end up out on the streets. 
uh, within about 48 hours, uh, a runaway will be picked up by a sex trafficker very, very quickly because that's a very desirable age. 11, 12, um, up, up to around 16 is a very desirable age for them to be uh, getting children. And they don't necessarily just kidnap them off the street. They kind of groom them. You know, they go, oh, honey, I, you just look so hungry. Let me give you a, let me give you some food. Let me uh, take you to my place. And they groom the child. And the child learns to trust them. And then that person becomes uh, their pimp and sex traffics them. And, and what now, you told me before the show about how many times a night that child is abused and how much money that adult makes just almost blows my mind. I don't know why because I've dealt in criminal justice, but it just is almost unfathomable that that child ceases to be a child. It then becomes a commodity, and when that commodity is no longer productive, would it be fair to say they dispose of it like garbage? Uh, yes, and the child is very often ch- turned out on the street when they're about 16 or 17 because they're not young anymore and they're not as desirable to the Johns, who are the predators, who are all from all walks of life. And they're turned out into the street. In the meantime, this child hasn't had education, hasn't learned um, uh, relationship skills, um, is, is, is uh, habituated a lot of times onto drugs, and they're just turned out, so they become prostitutes because that's the only thing they know how to do. But the um, child, um, some children are just kidnapped and and taken in um, to his sex trafficking. Some are, um, uh, and those, those, those pimps are called gorillas, the ones that really uh, don't bother to groom the child. They just take the child and, and use the child. And other ones are, are kind of groomed into it. Uh, the child uh, most commonly is 11, 12, 13, 14. Uh, and they're used um, 20, to 30, four, 20 to 40 times a day. They're raped. And how um, much does that pimp get off of that child? Uh, that pimp earns uh, an average of $250,000 a year on the child. Sex trafficking in uh, the United States is second only to drug um, drug trafficking. However, a child is a much easier way to make money than dealing drugs because that child, who is the commodity, can be used over and over and over again. Yeah, 20 to 40 times a day. And then the child, if they're not... <laughs> forced into drugs, they want drugs. They want alcohol. They want anything to help them be able, I mean, can you imagine 20 to 40 times? I mean, for a little child, for a child like that, it's just uh, unimaginable how they even can uh, uh, tolerate it. But you know, the, the wonderful part is that we're becoming more and more aware of sex trafficking and can interrupt it now uh, with awareness and there's so many programs for these kids um, where they're put into residential homes and get counseling and, and really just have a whole new start on life. So it can, the whole thing can be healed, and that person and, can go and, forward in their life. And this is a good place to take a break because when we come back, we're going to talk about 
how to prevent it, what to do once it's happened, and how to put that thread back into the fabric of our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Susan Sophie Berker, who is an absolutely amazing woman. Just, I want to be like her when I grow up. (laughs) We are talking about child trafficking and the things that, that happens to young children. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about how to prevent it, how to stop it, and how to make these children the piece of our future that we would be missing. We will be right back. Best-selling and award-winning author of true crime and crime fiction, Yvonne Mason is back with a brand new book, The Pink Canary, a book that delves into the life of a drag queen and a marvelous whodunit. You can find this and all of Yvonne's other works on Amazon.com or find Yvonne Mason on Facebook and Twitter. You're going to kill me. Buy your copy of Pink Canary now. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. This is Jade. And this is Winona. Wow, it's been a busy summer. Yes, we have new books, and I think we have a new audio book. And I thought the voice was bad with other life lessons. Why is that title such a mouthful? I don't know, but you can hear that mouthful on Audible and on iTunes now. And that will take you through Life Changes, the highs and lows of it, through pop poetry and the literary life guide. So remember to check us out. And no, I don't mean a once-over, but then my narcissism said, well, maybe check me out once. And then look at the rest of the website at andrethought.com. You can check out the podcast and the YouTube channel and everything that we're doing on that website, andwethought.com, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to say bye from Winona and Jade and our website. Okay, is this going to be like a running gag? Yup. Andwethought.com. Bye-bye. Germany, 1938. Charlotte, a young girl of 15, wanders into Georg's cobbler's shop to have her shoes repaired. Georg, enamored by Charlotte's charm and grace, decides then and there that he's going to marry her. But they must keep their love a secret from family, friends, and, most importantly, the Nazis. Follow along as Georg's pursuit of the young Charlotte results in the couple traveling a heart-stopping, winding route to stay one step ahead of the Gestapo in their escape from Nazi Germany, with a surprising twist along the way. If you like history and romance, don't miss Good Things Always Happen in Springtime by Joanne Fisher, available at www.joannesbooks.com. Juliana is a middle-aged housewife in Toronto with a career, a husband, that has little interest in her well-being, and three children. In the evenings, 
she gets on her computer and chats with people around the world. When she gets involved with Aaron and Bobby, her life becomes a pinball, bouncing around her husband, her job, her children, and her two online friends. She's bewitched by the romantic poetry of Aaron, but the honesty and kindness of Bobby bring her all the way to California. Watch for the ironic twist of fate that takes her in a direction she never expected. If you like spicy romances, don't miss With All of Me by Joanne Fisher. Available at www.joannesbooks.com Fiore is a young Italian woman engaged to be married, but her plans are interrupted by a charismatic Sebastian, a handsome middle-aged Spanish businessman. Her beauty strikes him like a thunderbolt sent by the goddess Venus herself. When she's given a peculiar gift, a Spanish doll, she's thrown into a whirlwind of entangled passion, money, secrets, and love. Their romance sparks in a charming little Italian town located on the southern part of Lake Garda in northern Italy and takes them around the globe. What happens when her life is suddenly shattered by a lifelong secret? Her Spanish doll will bring you to a caliente Spain and a romantic Italy, adding some spice along the way. Available at www.joannesbooks.com. And we are back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with the amazing Susan Sophie Berker, and she is a sexual abuse prevention advocate. I know it's a mouthful, but let me tell you, this woman not only believes in educating people and thereby giving them knowledge, which turns into wisdom, which turns into proactive action, she also takes children who have been sexually abused and helps them become productive human beings and put the threads of their life back together so we don't use lose our future. Susan, how do you do that? How, Because those stories have to be so heartbreaking, and, and just to get them to, to open up enough to talk about them, is a challenge within itself. So how do you get them back on the path of of productivity and positiveness in their life and understanding that what happened to them does not define them. It was just a defining moment. Um, I work um, at this point with um, adult uh, survivors uh, of um, that have been uh, sexually abused um, and and I and they're called survivors, but I think of them as thrivers, and that they can have a happy and full and 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 beautiful life. There is a a there there are certain issues they're going to have. They're not going to feel real good about themselves. They're going to feel uh, a lot of uh, guilt and shame. Um, they're going to have a very low self-esteem, and, and people say, how. How can you work with these uh, people? I also work with um, domestic abuse um, also. Um, how, ca- how can you uh, be with these with, with these thrivers um, uh, when, when they're so, so hurting? And I say, you know what? It doesn't really affect me in a negative way. All I can do is see them positively, how they're going to be. 
and and for 25 years that's who I treated up in Pennsylvania, you know, a, a very very large number of them, and um, it never got to me. I never went home and got sad about them. I just felt really happy that they are on their way. We have them now, and now we can do something about it. And and would it be fair to say that when someone first comes to you, that because of the feeling of of shame and of guilt and of how they could have prevented it, you have to unlock all of those doors. It's like peeling back the layers of an onion. I know we overuse that phrase, but that's exactly what it's like, is peeling back that onion to get down to the core of the person that is still in there that has hidden themselves to not hurt, to not feel, to not have to face the stark reality of what criminality happened to them. Not that they did the criminality, but they were the recipient of a criminality. Um, Absolutely. Uh, They were. They were. And it has a lot of... um you know, they have a lot of after effects. Uh, they can have a lot of um, after effects. They can have problems with a sexual relationship. Some Sometimes um, uh, thrivers um, act out sexually and, and, and um, you get an addiction to sex because that's the only way they felt loved when they were children. So we need to teach them that that is, you know, there's a different way uh, to um, have a sexual relationship with someone, and they they are they tend sometimes to get involved with uh, marriages and relationships with uh, people who uh, will hurt them, and they will be victims because that's kind of their programming, and that's also associated with with love, and they have problems with parenting. their own children, because we we learn how to parent from our parents, and uh, if that if they were abused and hurt as children, they don't really know how to do it. So we have to give them some parenting skills. Uh, they can have a, a problem with uh, relating uh, to friends. You know, they don't have much trust in people. They're kind of scared of people. They don't want to get close. They have a problem with intimacy. So, you know, their relationship with me is is probably one of the first few people that they can trust and they can they can learn about a lot just from our being together. That that I'm not going to hurt them, and that there is such a thing as a healthy relationship. And sometimes they have self-destructive behavior, where you know they feel so. Guilty and shamed, you know, they may hurt themselves. They may get into drugs, alcohol. Um, you know, they just have so much pain. Um, so there's there's a lot. There's a, a there there are there are some um, after effects, but I look at all of these as uh, being able to be overcome. I mean, absolutely, because I've seen it time and time again. So so with that being said. The the book you wrote, Me Too, A Child and Adult, Sexual Abuse and Prevention, it is not just a a teaching guide for others to learn from to, to see if it is happening, but it would would it also be fair to say that it is a roadmap 
to help those who have been criminally abused to lean on, to learn from, and to use on their journey to becoming a whole person again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There are, there are some wonderful organizations around where they have, well, I, I personally have survivor groups, and those are wonderful for uh, survivors to become involved with other people who've also been through the same things they have and learn how to trust somebody and be close to somebody. And those those are very, very good, and the one-on-one uh, relationships are very good. But there's, there's a lot of... Um, organizations uh, that really reach out to survivors and to uh, victims of, of um, sex trafficking that are there. They're there. Not not only us who have uh, practices uh, doing that, but many, many organizations provide uh, that kind of help uh, for survive, uh, survivors who become thrivers. <laughs> And and would it also be fair to say that the one statement that a victim, before they become a survivor, does not want to hear is, get over it? Well, that's um, something that doesn't happen, and that's really dismissing their feelings. And um, they they need to know that we still love them and uh, care for them and support them uh, in their journey, and are just there for them. Now, you are part of a Sheila Freedom Speakers Bureau. What yes, but, is okay. that bureau about? How can someone be a part of it, and how can someone get a hold of y'all to speak and educate teachers and police officers and other psychologists and family members and and society in general, and naysayers in particular? Uh, This is an uh, anti-trafficking organization. Uh, It's down here in Sarasota and five other states. They have residential facilities. They have um, therapy. They have uh, putting putting the child's life back together again. it's it's an incredible uh, organization, and I'm a, I'm one of their speakers, and I'm very honored to do that. Uh, the um, there is a hotline number. Uh, we we are very uh, we educate people that if they see something that looks like a traf uh, sex trafficking thing going on, um, they they see something in a hotel. Where where somebody seems to be leading around a girl who who doesn't have any emotion in her, and just seems to be kind of out of it. Um, any suspicious kind of uh, behavior, um, they can call the hotline for Sela, which is eight 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 three seven three two seven eight eight eight. And uh, it's spelled S-E-L-A-H, and that's the hotline uh, where, where if, if you suspect it's going on, because it goes on in hotels, it goes on um, airports. The, the airlines are really uh, training 
um, their employees to be very uh, cognizant of possible sex trafficking, like on a plane. There have been several instances where the flight attendants have caught that and the girls have actually helped uh, ask for help. There's one uh, one instance that happened a couple of months ago here in Sarasota where two girls were uh, trying to get on a plane. They were 15, first class, one way. And the um, attendant got, or the uh, reservation person got really suspicious, and she said, what, what are you doing? You know, one way, first class in New York. Oh, this man told us he was going to make us models. Well, um, they would have entered that uh, hotel room, and I don't know what would have happened to them. So that there's all, um, it's a wonderful organization because we're, we're talking to people about just being aware of what may be going on. And the hotels now are very aware of it. And um, they have a certain um, things in place now to kind of uh, recognize it. So, yeah, that, that's, this is really helping the um, sex trafficking. Sarasota and Tampa our uh, hubs, as is Miami and as, uh, as Orlando. We're all hubs here in Florida. And then Florida as a whole is the third highest state uh, for sex trafficking. And sex trafficking incidents have a lot to do with what's going on, like for the um, uh, Super Bowl up in, uh, up in Minnesota. The, a lot of girls were just taken up there, and then the guys would buy a ticket for the uh, Super Bowl and to have sex with a uh, rape a 12, uh, 11, 12 year old. You know, it's just, and these are, these Johns are from all walks of life. They're judges, they're lawyers, they're police officers, they're teachers, and you know, they're. I mean, they're they're all all classes and all all kinds of people who just dehumanize the child. They feel as long as they're paying for them, they're. You know, they're not raping them. It's just um, really. And these um, are the uh, same people that are that that with those titles are put in place to protect the children. Uh, yeah, I mean it can happen, and I'm not saying that they all do it. I say very uh, few of them do it, but it. However, it does. It it does. The Johns are from all walks of life. Yes. And would it also be fair to say, Susan, that it's not just girls? Boys are equal opportunity. Right, right. And Salem um, works with only girls. Uh, however, there are organizations that work with the boys, and boys are also sex, sex trafficked. But the um, rate is so much less than girls. Because, you know, these men are not really buying these girls to have sex it's uh like uh, it's power it's power uh-huh. because if they really wanted just sex they, they they could go out and have sex with a number of people but they're choosing Correct. children because children are the less least powerful and it feels very powerful for them to be able to rape a child i mean it, it seems incomprehensible but but the, the beautiful part is as hard as these girls have it and and the boys they they have gotten to the other side of it. Of the people, of the kids that go through the SALA program, 75% of them never return to sex trafficking and go on to live productive lives. 25% go back. But I think 75 is a pretty pretty high rate. It would be beautiful if we had 100% because even that 25% is 
is 25% of the future that is being destroyed. They could be future astronauts or, or teachers or, or judges yes. or lawyers or great parents or artists or musicians or, or authors. And because we have become a nation that is so self-centered and self-absorbing and it's all about me, we've created this world that we have to stop. And like you say, 75% is a wonderful stat for these children that, that come through that tunnel and out on the other side and learn to, to be productive and are healed. And when we educate the public, like you all are doing, maybe we can save the other 25% as well. No. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, this this has come out. You know, I wrote a book in 1989 called About Sexual Abuse, and it became a um, textbook in colleges. And at that time, I couldn't put about priests being uh, sexual abusers, although I had several clients who had been sexually abused by priests. My my publisher didn't want me to put that in because the Catholic Church would come down on, on the publishing company. I mean, there's just um, so much more that's out now that we can talk about and that people are willing to hear. And, and with all these brave women coming forward, you know, say, this this happened to me and me too. You know, it's 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 uh, the perpetrators are not having a free you know, free free life anymore about this. You know, they're they're having to pay for for some of the things they've done. You know, and it's it's a matter of educating our boys too, our sons, to respect women. And um, you know, boys will be boys. That that just is so archaic. Just it's not a good excuse anymore. It would never was no. a good excuse. Well, no, it wasn't. In fact, I from early on. My son was taught that that women are to be held to a higher standard. They are to be revered and they are to be respected and they are to be loved and they are to be handled with with care because they are the reason we have futures. Right, right, exactly. Well, I think that's beautiful that you did that. Um, in so many families, it is intergenerational. It's passed down from generation to generation, the sexual abuse. Because um, I've, I've talked to many, many people where, where it's been, it went on with the great-grandfathers and the fathers and the brothers and the sisters. I mean, it's just... And and now, okay, it's out on it's out on um, out in the light. We can shine a spotlight on it, and now we can do something about it. And it's it's turning around. It's, it's turning around. And that's what makes social media one of the most beautiful things in the world. People complain about social media, but I, I truly in, in things like this radio show, I truly believe if we did not have this medium, that it would be so much more difficult to bring these heinous acts and these criminals out in the open and to say, look, this is not all right. It's not behind closed doors anymore. And, yes, we are going to shout it from the rooftops, 
and you will pay, and you will pay dearly, because for right. every action there is always an equal and opposite reaction, which includes consequences. Well, look at how Dr. Nasser, you know about Dr. Nasser, the Olympic yes. doctor? Sexually abused 550 girls. Okay, that was lack of education. Those girls exactly. had not been educated as to what was sexually abusive, and neither had their parents. Sometimes he sexually abused the children right in the same room uh, with yeah. him. Uh, so, and, and, I mean, and the parents were totally oblivious to it. Right. And I don't think any parent can be oblivious to it anymore. You know, I go into uh, trusted perpetrators in my book. We we really um, we really have left our children at the mercy of a lot of people that mm-hmm. can hurt them. And um, you know, doctors and Boy Scout leaders and uh, all all uh, children come in contact with. Um, that's why the children need to be educated, you know, about what is sexual abuse and what you and when somebody touches you where a bathing suit would, you just uh, go and tell somebody. You don't let that continue. So the children are hearing it and the adults are hearing it, and and we're and, much more. And the more children aware have now. to take. The children have to learn that they do indeed have a power. They have to. Right. They have to understand they are empowered, and that adults will listen to them and not poo-poo their accusations, that they can trust those of us who were given the responsibility, the honor and the privilege to take care of them and keep them from harm. Yes, uh, that's correct. And we need to give the children a good sense of uh, self-esteem, like you are a worthwhile person. So when somebody does this, I'm a worthwhile person. I, I don't. Uh, deserve this, and, and it's not and my it's, fault that you that someone else has tried to harm me. It is their fault, their accountability, and they will pay. Right, and we give the child self-esteem. Um, we give them. We develop a closeness to our children. Um, a lot of these kids that run away, in addition to having sexual abuse, do not have any closeness. Uh, I mean, these children just don't have a a connection. They get out on the street, and here's an adult, a groomer, we call them groomers, who are out there loving the child and saying they love them. They don't, but they're saying it, and they give them what they want. And these children just learn to trust them no matter what they do to them. But if, if they had that love and caring at home, that they wouldn't be so vulnerable. And you know, if they, and if we had ar- if we armor them with knowledge, which like we've talked about before, right. them becomes wisdom and them becomes power, then they are no longer targets. Yes, and we teach them not to respect adults blindly. How many of us were raised, uh, you know, saying that you know we obeyed all adults? Right. And and never allowing affection to be forced on children. Have you ever been at a big family uh, gathering and some some kids, some babies are passed around from person to person? I mean that that child just has no ability. You know they kind of get used to there. Everybody, everybody can manhandle them the way they want. We have to, you know, we have to look at what we're teaching our children, and then we have to give them um, the education, the vocabulary of. Uh, 
what what their sexual organs are, are called so in, in a scientific term so they can go and tell somebody, Mommy, he touched my penis or, or exactly. whatever. You know, they they need to be able to report it that way. And, so and there's with a lot that, that we can do. I'm sorry, Susan, didn't mean to interrupt you, but we're running out of time. Oh, well, I, I, I was could, I could talk about this for hours. So let's <laughs> Me too. So before we run completely out of time, tell the folks where you can be found and where the name of your book and okay. where all of that information, they can go to it and get what they need. Okay, you can get my book, and you can also get to my website, and you get get my contact information from my website, which is www.metoo.com. So that takes you to my book site that enables you to order the book through Amazon, and it's also at Barnes & Noble, and then also that, in a, that I have my contact information on there. I live in Sarasota, Florida. And if someone thinks that they are being abused, they can contact you, and you if, if they're out of state or on the East Coast, as I am, you can put them in contact with the right people, Correct. Uh, yes, I would be willing to help them. There's a contact form on the last page of my website, and they can contact me uh, that way. Um, I, I would suggest if somebody, uh, if, if there's a suspicion of sexual abuse, that people go right to the authorities immediately, like the Child Welfare uh, Department in, in their state, their county. It's all set up different in all sorts of states, but uh, absolutely. You report it, and you can report it to the police also, and they can tell you uh, where to go. So there's there's a lot of people uh, that can tell you how to report it. And and so, that doesn't mean you have to have 100%, you know, know it. You just suspect right. it. So, so, ladies and gentlemen, we are getting down to the last few minutes of our show, and I want to – Susan, don't hang up when the show goes dark because I have some things to tell you. But I do want to thank Susan for being here and educating us on child trafficking and sexual abuse of children and, and how we can turn this thing around so that the next generation doesn't have to face this. That the It stops, and it stops with us. We are the key, and we have to be able to understand that. And as with every the end of every show that I leave, People will forget your name. They will forget what you look like. They will forget what you're wearing, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you've made them feel. These children are on a journey, and we need to help them change that path and make that journey more productive so they can be survivors and then thrivers. And remember this, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be great, stop asking permission because nobody's going to give it to you. You're already great. You're already beautiful, and so are all the children. They are our future. I am tired of losing the threads of our future. Let's save the children one child at a time. Tomorrow night I am taking off. Saturday night I will be back at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time with Dr. Kate Dow. That should be an interesting show within itself. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in. Share this show. 
because it is very important. It is very educational. It is very powerful. And let's make it happen. So until tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, this is Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Susan Sophie Berker. Remember that name. Go to her website. Birker, I keep mispronouncing it. It's been one of those days. So until Saturday night, I want to wish you all a good evening. Go hug your children. We will see you later. I wanted to say, Susan, we're off the air, and everything I tell you will go in the archives. But what I wanted to tell you is once this show archives, I'm going to put it up on my um, Facebook page, and I'm going to tag you in it. Feel free to take it and post it everywhere. Then oh, tomorrow that's Well, it gets better. Tomorrow it goes up on Spreaker and SoundCloud and um, Stitcher and iTunes and YouTube, FM.com, TuneIn Radio. It goes up on two sites on iHeartRadio. It goes up on Southern Chats with Yvonne Mason as well as Off the Chain. It goes up on Reverb Nation. And when I put it on podcast.com and podcast garden, when I put it up on podcast.com, podcast garden, SoundCloud, and Spreaker, I will tag you on those sites so you can spread it around as well. Wonderful. And will it be available on a link so I can send people to it at yes. any time? Of- <gasps> yes. And you're going to give me That's- the link. That's what I'm going to give you. When the show archives, I will post the link on my page, and then I will tag you. And then when I post it on those other podcasts, I will also post that link as well on my page and tag you. So people can listen to it on several different mediums, and and it's downloadable. So they can download it to their – yes, it's downloadable. So they can download it to their iPad or to their iPhone or – whatever they want to download it to. It's not just stuck in their computer. They can download it to. Oh, that is wonderful. You have been just awesome to me. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, and I would like to bring you back sometime after the first of the year, see how far you've come, and let's, let's continue educating people. I would love that because a lot's going to happen between now and then. A lot's going to happen. We'll have a lot to talk about. We will, Yvonne. And I'm so sorry about your husband. Thank you. He he has been failing um, for several months, and it just it it was time for me to tell him it was okay for him to go. That's yeah. probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my entire life. Oh, and and that's such an angelic thing to do for him. That I mean, that's it, a beautiful gift. And he would have he would have continued to fight if I kept saying I'm not ready to be half of a team. But because um, oh. we were a team for for twelve years, we were a team. We oh. we did not spend a night apart in twelve years. Oh, that is beautiful. You had that was such a gift uh, for twelve it, years. It was a gift. Yep, and and so we crammed more. And and I knew he had health issues when I married him. I've known him all my life, and we crammed more in twelve years than most people cram into seventy. Oh God. Well, he's your angel. He's still there. He is my angel. And and Monday night, I knew that he was failing. And if if I had told him to keep fighting, he would. But I saw mm-hmm. it in his face. And when I told him that he was at the end of his journey and he could go whenever he got ready, 
I saw the relief on his face. Oh, oh so, that's a blessing. It 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 was hard to do, but you know the Bible says, "A greater love hath no man than to lay down his yes. life for his friend." Well, the, yes. I would I would add to that saying that a greater love hath no man than to tell their spouse it's okay to go. Oh my! Oh my! So well, yeah, it's, it, you're beautiful. It, it, you're. Thank you. It's it's been it's been a crazy he, five months. He's he's been failing for five months, and oh my. Um, I knew when we brought him out of the hospital that our time was limited, and we talked about it. He and I both talked about it, and I told him I said we can't go back and and say wish we could go back to what we had before this, and we can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because tomorrow's yeah. not here. I said. We right. can take today, and we can live today with each other and enjoy each other today, and the rest will take care of itself. Wow, because that's all we ever have, Yvonne. I mean, any of us could go five minutes from now. That's what you I told know? him. I said, we're not promising anything but right now. And right, I said, and, exactly. and I'm not going to go down in that rabbit hole and stay and waste the precious time we have right. left. Oh, so what, what a did. gift you gave him, and what a gift he gave you. Oh, I wouldn't have traded those years for anything. No, that is just beautiful. And and he was a rabid Gator fan, Susan. And Saturday, LSU played Florida. Now, LSU was undefeated. They kicked off at 3.30. <laughs> so we kicked off his celebration of life at exactly 3.30. <gasps> oh, my. Oh, that gives me the chills. It was a two-and-a-half-hour the the viewing was two hours, and it was another two-and-a-half-hour celebration of life. And Steve Spurrier, who is the athletic liaison for Florida, did uh-huh. something that has never been done before. Uh, the friend of mine that had my husband's body and prepared him called Steve Spurrier and said, told him about Jack and that he was a rabid Gator fan. And, and because we gave my husband a military funeral, um, he asked if Spurrier would fly the flag over the stadium. Spurrier was all in. He had to go to his athletic director, and the athletic director said, if you can get in here in 20 minutes, we'll fly from sunup to sundown. So (gasps) Michael, who lives in Lakeland, called a friend of his in Gainesville, who was also a Florida JC, who was also in the funeral business, told him what he needed. This former JC took a casket flag, which is the whole length of the casket, to the athletic director they flew it from sunup to sundown, and um, on the the white part where the flags put together where the rivets are, it says this flag was flown by athletic liaison Steve Spurrier on October the 5th, night, uh, 2018, in honor of Cactus Jack Sewell. Oh, oh, oh my, what a tribute. Had never been done before. Well, they must have loved him a lot. My husband was loved all over the world. I was so proud of his accomplishments um, and so proud and of the that. man. Yes, he did. I never failed to tell him. I always called him oh, my beautiful my. man. <gasps> oh, how fortunate he was, and you were, and uh, oh, my. Well, it's a real love story. Oh, my goodness. It is a love story, and I don't even believe in romance, but it, it was a love story. It It was. That kind of of love, you don't find very often. No, and I, I've, had, I... 
I've had people tell me since the the service that they aspire to be like me, and I'm I'm not that important, Susan. I just loved my husband. Well, you were very important in his world, and you're very important in other people's world and what you do. So you are extremely important. Well, I just miss him so much. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Because so. I've never had that either, you know, and I... I'm going to get it. I'm going to have it one of these days. I'm just waiting. It's, it's for coming it. to you. It's coming. Have faith. I know. I feel it. I feel it. The the backstory to our relationship is we are second cousins, and and I found out that he's loved me all of my life. Oh my! Oh my! And, so you knew each and, other. Oh. In 1974 was the last time I saw him because he had brought my aunt, who was who was my grandmother's sister, to my grandfather's funeral. And and we both felt this spark, but we were both in other relationships. So I went back to Atlanta. He came back to Florida. In 2006, I asked my mother what she'd heard. Had she heard from Jack? What was he doing? And she says, well, I keep writing him an email, but it keeps bouncing back, so I fixed it. And I sent him an email, and I said, how about a blast from the past? This is Yvonne. And he immediately wrote back and said, I have finally found you, and this time I'm not letting you go. <gasps> oh, now that gives me chills, too. Oh, 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 that is amazing. I came to Florida and never looked back. Oh, my. Well, that was a very wise thing to do. You followed your heart. Yep, I did. For for the first time in my life, I truly followed my heart. And I'm going, okay. And and I'm I'm a cynic, and I am a skeptical cynic. So I'm going, okay, we're going to see where this goes. And and we were never apart. That, That did it. Right? Yeah. That just did it. Yep. That did it. So you, it, it's out there, Susan, and when you least, because I had, I was not even looking for a relationship. I was burnt out on relationships. I had just gotten divorced the year before because my husband committed adultery, so I was done. Oh, my God. I said, not of ever course. again. Well, you never say never. <laughs> <laughs> now, Spirit or God have a little bit different plan there. I think so. I think so. Oh, yeah, very definitely. So, yes, it is there for you. Em- embrace yeah. embrace the universe. Well, I'm, I'm doing just that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and good things will happen. All right. But I am going to let you go and enjoy your evening. Thank you for sharing an hour with me, and thank you thank for you. the education. And, yes, we will get together after the first of the year because I want to hear all the good things that have happened. Good, good. We're very um, – we have a special thing going here. We'll keep it up. Okay, thank you, Yvonne. All right, darling. Good night. Good night.